0: There will be a disruption in your neck of the woods on a nearly daily basis, which means we need to stop waiting until things stabilize and start learning how not just to survive, but thrive in turbulence. And that's a whole different set of rules. You can be successful competing in this game, but first you need to recognize that the game has changed.
1: Welcome to CEO on the Go, Welcome to this special episode of CEO on the Go. I wonder how you're doing. And I'm guessing if I asked how you're doing, you might say something like, Well, I'm just trying to deal with a lot of change lately. It's a common theme among many executives. An interesting prediction is that one out of three public companies will cease to exist in their current form over the next five years. That's a rate that's six times higher than 40 years ago. Businesses of all sizes are going through some kind of change. People are going through more change than ever in their personal lives and in their careers, taking on multiple roles, jobs. Over a relatively short period of time, some people have retired and now they're unretiring. So I'm so happy to share with you today a wonderful expert on managing change and reinvention, someone who I've come to know recently. Her name is Nadia Zheksambayeva. And I really hope I came close to pronouncing her name correctly. I apologize to Nadia. She's on a huge mission to provide 1 billion people with strong resilience and reinvention skills so we can all ride the waves of change rather than being crushed by them. I love working with organizations going through change and working privately with individual executives who want to reinvent themselves or their teams in some way. So her work is especially relevant to what I do in my business and with my clients. She has a very impressive background. Just to share a few highlights, as a speaker, she's shared insights with audiences worldwide. She's delivered three TEDx Talks one in Austria, Slovenia, and the US. She's authored two books and contributed to five more. I can speak specifically about the Chief Reinvention Officer Handbook, a beautiful book that's filled with great insights and processes for reinvention of all kinds. She's been called the reinvention guru and the queen of reinvention. She's done consulting with organizations like Coca-Cola, IBM, Cisco. And as an educator, Nadia personally contributed to the development of nearly 5,000 executives from over 60 countries and 20 industries. So I'm excited to be part of her community of reinventionists and to introduce her to my podcast listeners. In this episode, we cover issues that are the tip of the iceberg when it comes to understanding reinvention. Speaking of iceberg, she also dispels the common belief that it was the iceberg that sank the Titanic. You'll have to explore more of her work to understand what I'm talking about and to see if your organization has Titanic syndrome. She makes a compelling case for the need to reinvent and not just as a one-time exercise, but as an ongoing practice. As she says, change is not a project, it's a process. Enjoy my conversation with Nadia jackson Nadia, welcome to CEO On The Go podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Gail. Yes. Well, it's so timely. Who doesn't want to thrive in chaos, right? Who's not experiencing chaos? So I, I think you're a timely expert to bring in to share some of your insights and ways that people can learn more about your work. Uh, specifically wanted to talk about where reinvention fits into all of that. So I, I'm just going to toss the baton to you and say, how do we need to open up this conversation? Where do we even need to start when people are wondering, where do I begin to, you know, to help my situation so that we can thrive in chaos? So the first thing where we begin is
0: to change some of the assumptions we're having about what's going on. I think most of us are feeling some sort of pressure. If you're close to the banking crisis, and we're recording this just about the time where the Silicon Valley bank was collapsing, and right after that, the unsinkable Swiss bank, Credit Swiss was acquired with a really, really sad reality. Or you might be listening it and there is another disruption. Uh, could be supply chain disruption, competitor disruption, artificial intelligence disruption, a regulator, government regulation disruption, climate disruption with all of the different catastrophic events happening that are really impacting local and global economy. Whatever is happening, the standard reaction I see among the Business leaders and non-business leaders alike is the idea that we just need to survive this one thing, and things will get back to normal. We just make it through this crisis, and things will go back to normal. And the first thing that needs to change is there is a realization that we've been living in this for a number of decades now, and literally non-stop since the last economic recession of two thousand eight. It's been fifteen years of waiting for things to go back to normal. And me as a scientist, I apologize, but here's the good news, bad news. They're not going to get back to normal. If it's not going to be economic, it will be uh, political. If it's not political, it will be health. If it's not health, it's technological. If it's not technological, it's social. But there will be a disruption in your neck of the woods on a nearly daily basis, which means we need to stop waiting until things stabilize and start learning how not just to survive, but thrive in turbulence. And that's a whole different set of rules. You can be successful competing in this game, but first you need to recognize that the game has
1: changed. Right. And that's a message that top leadership can help emphasize. It needs to come from the top, I think. Would you agree that this kind of change and understanding of what the new normal is needs to be driven top down?
0: Absolutely. And we're beginning to see the signs after, in my work, I've been speaking on this subject for just over eight years. My TEDx talk on the shortening business cycles is eight years in 2023. I'm still trying to break the news to the executives and good news, we're finally being heard. This year, uh, PwC, the global consulting firm, did its 26th annual global CEO survey, and over 4,000 CEOs participated. And this year, the number one topic, the subject of the entire survey is reinvention. And what they discovered is that currently the CEOs are spending about 47% of their time reinventing, but actually want to up it by 10% and spend good portion of their time, about 60% on reinvention. And when you look at the data they showed on investment, it's even greater. We are approaching 70% investment in reinvention versus 30 to 40% in maintaining your current business. So we are finally getting to the place where executives understand that this is, you know, do or die, evolve, but our teams are lagging behind. And that's our job right now is how do we bring along our entire team? And how do we create systems, not just for one time reinvention, but for continuous reinvention, which is a completely different set of systems.
1: Yes, so where should senior executives be spending their time knowing that they want to devote more of their time and energy to reinvention? What are some of the key things that they can be doing or thinking about to move the needle in that area?
0: In our research, we discovered seven pillars of building a system that allows you to renew on a regular basis successfully. And by the way, absolute majority of businesses are not able to reinvent on time. Research is very clear. There's an excellent book on this point called "Stall Points. It's not a new book. It's pretty classic in the business literature by now, but not very known because it's Research driven, and those don't usually become super popular. And it discovered that if you start reinventing on the decline, when you're already losing ground, when you already milked the cow Mm -hmm. on the backside there, yeah, and backside of the cycle, if you start reinventing on the decline, um, historically speaking, chances of you coming back to your historic best is only 10% that is a low chance which means you need to reinvent proactively and do it more often than ever before our own global reinvention survey that we do every two years right now shows that about 21 percent of companies have to reinvent every 12 months less to survive and thrive if you are reinventing every 12 months or less this is now a process it's not a project and you Get going and do it again and again. And we identify seven areas where you need to focus, but I want to share three that are very clear and immediate and action driven. Number one, anticipating change, becoming better at anticipating change, creating a way to have a trend watching party, effort, project, responsibility. There are many ways of doing it, but noticing trends on time and doing a good job at anticipating change is the first.
1: And I like what I think I've learned from you too, or you've emphasized the importance of engaging employees in that process to help help all of them have a better radar for what's coming instead of just relying on certain people or, or leaders within the organization.
0: 100%. So you need ear to the ground and who better have uh, and the ear to the ground, who is that person? It's usually the frontline employee interacting with the supply chain that is interacting with the customers, that is interacting where the first um, kind of signs, quiet whispers of something collapsing begin to emerge. You also need to engage your middle management because middle management becomes the big dark matter where all change dies. And we all know, you know, the top management usually is very aware and the frontliners are sensing the change from the environment. But the middle manager is usually a place where most of any, any transformation is really dying. And that means unless you're constantly waking them up, they will be resisting change and they will cost you the crucial time necessary to keep up with the pace. And if you are missing the moment, 10% chance of coming back to your historical performance. The current InnoSight research suggests that by 2027, 50% of standard poor 500 will be off the list. Is now a mass issue. Most companies won't keep up. And time is of essence. So if you are investing in really changing the mindset and change readiness of your entire organization, that crucial time where you need to jump will not be wasted on resistance, on warming up, on convincing people, on waking up. That's why it's so important, as you say, to engage them more early. Yeah.
1: And to build that trust, open communication, all of that to facilitate that very quickly. So I know we could talk a lot more about that, but you go on to, to number two, then I didn't mean to stop you before. Anticipate change.
0: Once you notice, now the second crucial step is designing change. And often we skip over that step because the old assumption was, if you have a brilliant idea, the details will take care of themselves. And that may have been the case decades ago, but right now execution is the strategy and design is the strategy. If you have not spent time figuring out what exactly do we do to respond, engaging again, ear to the ground, engaging people who are closest to the challenge, using their best practices and their wisdom from inside the organization, not necessarily from the outside, becomes very important. We had a client recently with headquarters in Germany that signed on a decision with the board, only to discover that it's actually illegal in their subsidiary in Mexico. Things like making sure there's a readiness. Is there regulatory legal readiness? Is there financial readiness? Is there operational readiness? Is there human uh, talent preparedness, training readiness? All of those things are element of designing change. And finally, The third pillar is implementing change. And there are many different approaches you can use. Good old project management. Now, adding to that, the Scrum Agile, more short sprints, very iterative and quick feedback, quick adjustment. There are many tools on the ground, but implementing change and being serious at building that skill in your organization becomes what separates the winners from the losers.
1: Mm, That's so fantastic. So I'm sure leaders want to learn more about each of those different areas. I know that you have a questionnaire or tool that they can use. Where would they be able to find that? And how might they get started in exploring how they fare in those areas?
0: Uh, So we developed a short 15-question diagnostic around the concept of Titanic syndrome. And I know you were there because we were talking about that. Titanic syndrome is a phenomenon that we discussed and developed and researched. We discovered and then we named it where companies and individuals destroy their own organizations because they are unable to adapt on time. Due to lack of skills in these three areas, anticipate change, design change, and implement change. So we developed a very quick test. And the benefit of that test is that it's not only a diagnostic, it's a prescriptive because every item in that test points you in a direction of what you can actually improve. It's available on our website for free download for the 85-page preview of the latest book, The Chief. Officer handbook, how to thrive in chaos. We were,
1: yes, I highly recommend that. Yes, and uh, you can download
0: it. We'll make sure it's in your show notes and everywhere. You can grab it on our website, learn to reinvent.com, and make sure that you run a test for your organization and start improving and doing it on a regular basis. Most companies we work with do it at least once a quarter to see how they're doing.
1: Yeah, good. So I want to talk about some practical actions that leaders can take, I guess, based on their own personal state of readiness. Uh, For example, I think we've got a lot of listeners who are really resonating with your message and they're like, yes, we've got to do this. We we appreciate all of the the information that's being shared. And this is a top priority for us is to learn how to reinvent and to, like you say, make that a process, a skill set. And then there's some that are maybe thinking about it. They know they need to do something, but other priorities are in the way. And then there may be others who just have their head in the sand, although I don't think they listen to this podcast. So I really want to speak to those who are at a higher level of readiness or maybe even eagerness to affect change in their organization. So what, what would be a starting point for them?
0: The starting point is to recognize that our current business is eating our future business. And it's a normal thing for all of us. When you're in the middle of a very volatile marketplace, it's natural that you have 200 agenda items every single day, and they are all on fire, and you're always behind. So this idea that you can uh, weave it in is just not happening, which means you have a couple of options. Number one, And the option of putting a separate task force around it that will be dedicated to reinvention. It can be a reinvention project, a team, um, whatever. We've seen massive organizations create chief reinvention officer with the whole function or a corporate venture capital fund that essentially the entire function is future business and reinvention. We've seen many different formats. It doesn't matter how to create this tiny project force or a massive effort, but you put a protected resource around it in terms of budget, in terms of people's time. Or the second option is you structure your calendar in a way that you have protected time to dedicate to this. And it will not be given away to another emergency meeting or another whatever. And most of the time, having something like... uh every second Friday, dedicated to reinvention and stacking up uh, sessions with your critical functions uh, and doing exercises around where are we seeing potential for growth? What are potential experiments that we can run? And testing those experiments, coming back with feedback, quickly deciding which are a yes, which are a no. These are the practices that are Easy to implement if you first recognize this needs to be protected time, protected space, protected budgets. It can no longer be a side hustle. It can no longer be something you hope to do in the evenings or on the weekends. The speed of change is such that this can no longer be outsourced. So unless you bring this capacity in and prioritize it, your today will always eat your tomorrow.
1: Yeah, good good options there and it's good to know there's no one right way not that we would think that but to know that it's worth exploring the different ways that would work given who you are as a leader and the state of your organization i need to ask the inevitable question which i'm sure a lot of leaders are asking and that's how how to deal with resistance with with employees right like i can't leave this episode without saying how how when you're going through change and reinvention can you deal with the inevitable resistance that comes up what are your thoughts on that So a
0: few things. Number one, resistance is a sign of a healthy immune system. Yay, okay. (laughs) So number one, fall in love with resistance. We are not a sect. Business is supposed to be an open-minded community of people with diverse opinions. If two people always agree, one of them is unnecessary. So if your people are yes kind of people, they are dangerous because they will not be watching your back noticing threats on your behalf and challenging you when you are developing your own case of Titanic syndrome. And one of the markers of Titanic syndrome is attachment to past success and solutions and arrogance that we are, you know, we've done it 200 times and we're unthinkable and we're unbreakable. It happens in my own team. I have a group of companies, I run a team and some of our youngsters when I'm becoming, you know, I've done this 200 times, they are very quick to point out Hey, smells like Titanic syndrome in here. Wake up! This, <laughs> if you did it before, yeah. does it mean if you did it in the nineties? Uh, I have some team members who are born in the nineties, and they're like, "We don't give a damn what you did. Yeah. In the gone, <laughs> gone. That success is long gone. Forget about it. It's like you uh, know, in, in football, your success last game nobody cares because it only matters if you will win the next game. So, number one is resistance is a sign that you have a healthy, strong. Immune system, you are not a sect and your people are ready to challenge. Now, the question is not how to fight resistance, but how to channel it productively. And who do you engage? And in the Reinvention Academy, we do a whole bunch of sessions on resistance to change to show you that you do not need to win the 100% of your employees. There's only about 10% that you do, but it's a very specific 10%. And majority are trying to convert the most active opposition, never works, or try to engage the entire community, never works, or because we don't want to deal with uh, unpleasant, uh, resisting people, we hang out with those who are already converted. And all of those three are big mistakes. There's one group of 10%, golden 10% that you need to pay attention to, and that group Um, I would have to spend 40 minutes to give you a theory on the law of innovation and where to find that group. But there is one specific group, and you are there to discover that golden 10% and convert that. And most of the time, we see massive, massive success when leaders stop thinking of resistance as something is wrong with us and start engaging their workforce and channeling that resistance into productive action. One thing I have to add, so everything I said to to this moment about resistance is about immediate reaction. And in the moment, that's your job is to find the golden 10% and convert them. But in the long run, you have to address the mindset issue. And if your people are still living in the where they're hoping to do the same thing over and over and never change, where they're hoping to have one career, where they're hoping that things will normalize and quiet down, they will not. And they will be disappointed. They will be heartbroken. They will be burnt out. They will be change-fatigued. And most importantly, then they will blame you for that. So unless you start investing time in changing their mindset around how often we need to reinvent, what is happening with the level of turbulence and when will it quiet down? Never. And around career, there are assumptions about let's find one perfect answer. There is no one perfect answer anymore. And there is nobody who will give you one perfect answer. So it's not about searching for one perfect answer and then sitting on our butts for 20 years and milking that cash cow. Work great in the 60s, 70s, 80s excellent start with 90s started disintegrating starting with 2010s where over that model of business does not exist anymore but our employees are still searching for that time where things will go back to normal they will quiet down and we have to invest in solving this mindset issue otherwise you will be the one to blame you will be told Uh, that you're a bad leader, that you're abusive or whatever else. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the turbulence and the speed of change and the type of economic environment we entered about 20, 30 years ago.
1: Mm -hmm. Good insight there. Um, Before we wrap up, I just wanted to to have you speak to the tools and the processes that you've developed a little bit more. What attracted me so much to your work is knowing that it doesn't uh, compete with other approaches that are out there, change, agile, all of those things still exist. But what you've developed really fits nicely with those other forms. So could you speak to that? And, and you do it so eloquently. I'm still learning as one of your students. So oh, I appreciated yeah. that. Um, well, Quite some time ago, I, I was a, an academic.
0: I was a Coca Cola Chair Professor of Strategy and Sustainability, teaching only in executive education, working with some of the most remarkable executives around the world. And what I realized that we're struggling with we're re- we're struggling not with the actual issues the business is facing, but with ability to adapt. And quickly respond to those issues. And that's how the field of reinvention was born, is that I saw that the speed of change is accelerating. If in the 20th century, the average life cycle of a business was 75 years, you milk that cash cow for decades. Right now, the average life cycle of a business model is about six. But as I said, every fifth company actually has to reinvent every 12 months or less. Even the most conservative industries, oil, mining, that's where I come from. I I have a lot of experience in mining, uh, manufacturing, logistics. Even them, if they don't reinvent every five, seven years, they will be out of business, including monopolies. That means today, reinvention is a basic literacy skill. And if 100 years ago, reading, writing, calculus was important, right now I agree with You all know Harari, the famed bestseller of the book Sapiens and one of the best historians in the world, where he said, forget programming, forget a whole bunch of other fashionable skills. You must teach your kids reinvention. I have to say, you must teach yourself and your employees reinvention. And reinvention is a platform field that connects all the amazing disciplines that have been developed in the last hundred years, but usually they fight each other. So for example, Anticipate change. That's strategy. That's foresight. Uh, That is forecasting. Uh, Design change. That's innovation. That's design thinking. Uh, That's creativity. Implement change. That's project management, change management, Scrum Agile, organizational development. And traditionally, all these disciplines are doing amazing work, but they hate each other. The strategy people, I'm exaggerating. Yes, no, there's competition there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are smiling. Uh, please forgive me if I'm exaggerating, but strategy people generally don't like the feel-good change people. And change people are not exactly the best friends with the numbers people. And the innovation or design thinking of Scrum Agile want to live in their own world. We have to create a unifying system that zips all of those disciplines into one well-oiled machine, and that is the job of reinvention. So we are not about competing with other disciplines. It's about bridging and creating a platform, a unifying framework that connects all of them and allows them to pass the baton to each other when it's time to pass the baton.
1: Yes. Good. Perfect note to end on. Good. Well, thank you so much. Is there any best way for people to reach out to you, Nadia, if they want to get to know more about you and your work and what you offer?
0: Absolutely. LearnToReinvent.com. Two is a number right there. So learn number two reinvent.com. You can also uh, search us up by Chief Reinvention Officer as we do uh, help executives learn this role of a Chief Reinvention Officer. And many Chief Executive Officers are actually add in that role to their title. Uh, and become chief reinventionist in their organization. So always happy to connect um, and uh, share our pointers, see if we can organize a special event for you or anything else that can help your organization not just survive in today's volatile and turbulent world, but actually thrive in it.
1: Yes. Good, good. Well, thank you again so much, Nadia. I look forward to continuing my learning with you over the next few months. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week reinventing in the way that you need to and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.